0: And open your Bibles to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians, the first chapter. Focus your attention to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us and with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians is a book that just deals with the riches of the salvation we have in Jesus. The passage read just a moment ago by Jim, Ephesians 1-3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is to be found in Jesus. Did you know that there's an Old Testament counterpart to Ephesians 1-3? Did you know that there is an Old Testament... Parallel, a shadow of which Ephesians 1 3 is the reality, Hebrews 10 1 through 4. And this particular blessing is found in a book that's rather obscure. I'm talking about the book of Numbers. Stop and think about this. If your eternal salvation depended upon your knowledge of the book of Numbers, how well would you do? It really is kind of an obscure book. Look, if you will, at Numbers chapter 5. Because in Numbers chapter 5, most of you will have in your copy of God's Word an expression like this as a heading. An unfaithful wife, determining unfaithfulness. In Numbers 5, there's something about unfaithfulness being said. And at the beginning of Numbers chapter 6, the Nazarite vow is being spoken of. Now whether you're really into the Old Testament a great deal or not, you can get the contrast. Unfaithful woman... (laughs) dedicated individual, consecrated individual. And really what is happening throughout the book of Numbers is this. God is asking Israel, you need to determine what kind of nation you're going to be. What kind of people you're going to be? What kind of people are you going to be? Are you going to be like an unfaithful woman to her husband... In this case, God. Or are you going to be dedicated and consecrated to me? Are you going to be serious about your relationship with me? And at the conclusion of Numbers chapter 6, in Numbers 6, 22 through 27, there is what is called the priestly blessing. Some background is in order. The priestly blessing would take place at the end of an assembly, especially on the holiest day of the year to Jews, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 16. Now here's what's going to happen. The high priest will have offered a bull for himself, and for his family and their sins. He would do that before he even began the rest of the process. And then the high priest would take two goats. And by lot, it would be determined which goat would be offered as a sacrifice and its blood would be given. And the other goat would have the sins of the people placed on it and it would be taken to the wilderness and there it would eventually die. There is the priest in his holy garment. The sacrifice of one of the goats is made, the other is released. All of the people are around And notice what the text says. God spoke to Moses. Do you see that in Numbers 6, verse 22? That is exactly the way the first six chapters of Numbers have begun. The Lord spoke to Moses. So God is speaking to the prophet who in turn would speak to Aaron, the high priest, and to his sons, those who would follow him in the priesthood, those who would be serving. What would the priest say from the Lord, the message from the Lord? By the way, that's 150 times just in numbers that the Lord spoke to Moses. If you were to circle it in the book of Numbers, you would have an awful lot of circles drawn in a book, huh? 150 times. Then the priest would say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. What a way to end an assembly of worship. I'd like to make three observations about this priestly blessing in Numbers 6, 22-27 this morning. Observation number one. This passage is a passage of exquisite beauty. This passage is a passage of exquisite beauty. None of the great literary works really compare to the Bible. If you're looking at your Bible, you will see, especially in the heart of the blessing, Numbers six twenty-four through 26, reference made to the Lord three times. Actually, He's referred to four times as the Lord, but it is the word Yahweh. It is the word that has to do with God's covenant relationship with His people. It's the word that's a personal word. Our God is a personal God who relates to us in a very intimate and personal way. Not only that, this word Lord, and you'll probably have L-O-R-D in all caps, all capitalized in your version. Most people do. The Lord There's another expression. Think about this. You. Count it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. His countenance be bright on you and give you peace. Six times. What I want you to know is this. This blessing was really personal. It was not just for the nation of Israel, but all of those you words, those pronouns, are singular. They're all singular. You. It's very personal. And if you're following things along, you've got the subject, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, said by way of intensity. Think of holy, holy, holy in Isaiah 6, verses 3 and 4. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Some see Trinitarian overtones here, and I can understand that. The threeness of God as well as the oneness, the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. But Moses gets this message from the Lord that he's to share with Aaron and his sons about a blessing that they are to confer to give to God's people. One that he does not want them to forget. Now listen to me, please. If Israel had really gotten the message that the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord make His countenance to shine on you and give you peace, if they would have gotten the message, they never would have been the unbelieving, obstinate, arrogant a group of people that had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, which is what Numbers is pretty much about. But before we criticize them too much, how often are we guilty of the same type of neglect? Neglect. This is a passage of unparalleled beauty. And I want you to see this before I move on to a second observation. In 24, 25, and 26, the heart of this passage, in the original language, in 24, the Lord bless and keep, it's only three words in Hebrew. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's five words in Hebrew. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. It's seven words in Hebrew. Do you notice something? A gradually expanding approach. It's progressive. And the majesty of this passage, if they would have let it sink in, would have kept them out of all kinds of trouble and i think that understanding this passage can keep christians out of all kinds of trouble too second observation this passage number 622 through 27 is a high point in old testament prophecy this passage, number 6, 22 through 27, is a high point in Old Testament prophecy. If you were listening to Will and the Lord's Supper meditation he shared with us today, he referred to one of those great prophecies of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where God says to Abram, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to protect you, I am going to bless those who bless you and curse those that curse you, and from your seed all the nations of the world will be blessed. We understand as we go throughout the Old Testament and into the New that if you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, Galatians 3:29, the Israel of God, Galatians 6:16. 6 I think of passages like Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I think how often Isaiah 53 is echoed in the New Testament. It is a high point of Old Testament prophecy. I think about Psalm 110 verses 1 through 4 where a priest would come after the order of Melchizedek and the Lord would say to my Lord. One would be a king and a priest. And the book of Hebrews especially goes to great lengths to help us appreciate these high point prophecies of the Old Testament. Now get this. This is a high point prophecy of the Old Testament. Coming from God, the Lord, to Moses, the prophet, to Aaron and his sons, the high priest, to the people. And they wanted it understood, God himself wanted it understood, that I am the source of your every blessing. None of this you got by yourselves. Now, stop and think about it historically. They had been in bondage for 400 years. And now they are at the foot of Mount Sinai where the law of God has been received. Here's the idea let's look at the terms. The subject is God, and in each of the verses, 24, 25, and 26, two verbs follow. The Lord, the Lord God, bless you and keep you. The word bless is especially beautiful here. It carries with it the idea of bending over to listen. For parents, you ever been over to hear what your child was wanting to say? And you wanted to give them what they were asking for? Or you bend over to pick them up and care for them whenever they've fallen down? The Lord our God is a God who blesses Think about that because sometimes we think of ourselves as the source of our own blessings. But the Lord bless you. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Our sufficiency is in Him. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. The Lord bless you. Material blessings spiritual blessings, blessings of every type. Our greatest needs are all supplied by God. By God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Safety. You know what? If we were to talk to a Jew at this point, if we could somehow get in the time uh, time machine and bring somebody here to this point in time, one of those Israelites, they would say, "Blessing and keeping a land, a home, a family, crops. These are all things that we would desire because for so long we've had no home, we've had no land." The crops weren't ours, they belonged to Egypt. And think about how Pharaoh killed so many little Israelite boys trying to kill Moses and others. How about you? I'll bring out one that preachers may think about sometimes. What do preachers want? I think preachers want to be respected. You want to be appreciated for what you're trying to do. But the thing is, all any of us should be trying to do is faithfully serve the Lord. And for the Lord to acknowledge that, that will be enough. But sometimes we... We want the approval of others, the esteem of others. I'm sure that that's something that's not true with hardly anybody here, but I want you to know there's a lot of people in the world, that's what they live for. And they live for stuff to acquire. The Lord bless you and keep you. He is the one who will protect you and guard you. Those Jews at that point in history didn't even have a place where they could put up a gate, a wall. Not yet. Second statement. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. What this statement really carries, uh, carries with it is this. That God won't turn away... This is something that's really common in the Psalms where the psalmist pleads with God. Don't look away from me, God. Please don't turn your face away from me. Think Isaiah 53 again. As one from whom men hide their faces. We esteemed him not. God, don't hide your face. let your face shine now think about this think about that person that you eventually married for those of you who have been married or think about that love of your life when you have been around them people can often tell it because it's written all over your face you're happy your smile May the face of God shine on you. It's a sign and indication of communion and relationship and preciousness. When our little granddaughter who just turned one, most of you know that, comes over to our house, we can be mighty tired, but our faces light up when we get to see her. God's face should light up when he thinks of you and how much you love him. Be gracious to you. All of these blessings and this keeping and God's face shining on you, they're all because of God's gracious nature. Exodus 34 and verse 6. The third statement. Lift His countenance upon you, which is very, very much like make His face to shine upon you, but then notice and give you peace. May God smile as He looks down on you, each and every one. And may He give you peace. You know, some of the two to three million Jews who were alive at that time and heard those words for the first time would never make it to the promised land because they didn't believe the blessing of the Lord given through the priest. How tragic it would be for someone in this assembly not to make it to the promised land of heaven Because they didn't trust God would do what He said. Number three. This passage finds its truest fulfillment in the ministry of Jesus. Brother Bill, those high priests came and went. They died over the years. And the sacrifices they offered... While they had a purpose, they were all just a purpose of a far greater sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, John one twenty nine. And what I want you to know, the greatest blessings are the blessings in Jesus. The greatest keeping is the keeping of Jesus, kept by the power of God through faith, 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. The greatest blessing is to have the Lord smile when He thinks of us and to be gracious to us. Saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Continuing in grace, Acts 13, 43. Commending others to the great grace of God, Acts 15, verse 40. Make His countenance to shine upon you and give you peace. Those who believe in the Lord can have perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3 A peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it's not the absence of all problems. It's the presence of the Lord and adequate resources. What Numbers six twenty-two through twenty-seven is saying to us when we fast forward to the Christian era, is everything that they anticipated and wanted, we can see as a reality because of the ministry of Jesus. Now lest we think that, man, this is just some obscure passage in some old book about a group of people that we have nothing really much in common with culturally, think about this. The Lord bless you and keep you. Human beings are needy and fragile. Are we not? The Lord bless you and keep you. Lest you think that this was just something said so long ago that has little application to Christians today, think about that second statement. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious. Human beings are afflicted and sinful people Don't we need the face of God to shine on us in His grace? Third, the Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Human beings are often moody and conflicted. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? It sounds to me like that is a one word summary of the priestly blessing. Doesn't it to you? The question that Israel had to answer is the question that we have to answer. Will we be consecrated and dedicated and committed like people who took the Nazarite vow in the early verses of number 6 have a similar type commitment? Or will we be the unfaithful woman to God? Now here's what's really interesting. Notice Verse 22. Look at Numbers 6.22. Let me focus on verse 27. So shall they put my name before the people, and I will bless them. There is the only plural pronoun. The others do apply to everybody, but they're talking about the individual... You, 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 six times. I will bless them. Look at Matthew 28:19 and 20. "Putting my name before the people. I feel fairly sure that when Jesus arose and he talked about peace, often when he arose, Adam, what he did and introducing himself again, peace, I wonder if those Jewish folks thought, hey, give you peace, number six. Probably did because they'd heard it so many times. Put my name upon them baptizing them into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, into the name of the Holy Spirit. You really can't think about number six a whole lot without eventually thinking about the name of God. And we are God's precious and prized possession when we put on the Lord His name we are His now here at Westside we've done this for a long time I think it's a great thing to do when somebody's baptized there's a song we often sing we gather in a great big circle here in the auditorium and what song do we sing I have decided to follow Jesus it's a great song might not be inappropriate at all to have someone say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Because that's exactly what people need the most. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Maybe there's someone here that needs to come to Christ to have the name of God on them. They need to be God's precious and prized possession to be a Christian. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, sins are washed away by the grace of Jesus and one can be added to the church. And for those of us who are Christians... If you're not a Christian, listen about the name of God being honest, belonging to God. But for those of us who are Christians, don't act as if you're not blessed. Don't act as if there's not security found in the Lord. Don't act with a scowl or with a glare. But act as if God's face has shone upon us and that His countenance has lifted us up. And I know there are times in all of your life like there are times in mine when I worry and I lack peace. Peace give I unto you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world knows, give I unto you, Jesus said. John fourteen twenty seven. If we can pray for you, If we can listen to your confession and witness your baptism if you're not a Christian, that would be our joy. And let us all thank God for His blessings. Let us stand and sing.